Hello everybody, I'm Jeremy Hobbs, and welcome to another issue of Love One Another. Today's special issue is going to be dealing with the war on LGBTQ+. Well, there's a war going on, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Florida, so many states are trying to pass all these laws. Look at what Texas is doing. If you even belong to a PFLAG group, parents know, if they belong to a PFLAG group, they can be uh, reported for um, child abuse um, because they're encouraging their kids to be who they are. Uh, they don't want, oh my God, it's just, it's, it's very frustrating when you see these type of laws that are, first of all, introduced, but secondly, passed into law. And for us to continue down this road is only going to spell more doom for the LGBTQ community. Now, but what got us to this point? You know, everything was fine after uh, marriage equality came about and stuff like that. Now, you're always going to have the dissidents of the of the former of the former republic, we'll call them, that did not like gays and wanted them to be quiet and didn't want to see gay movies or shows on TV. They didn't want to see any of that. What they wanted to see was just good old. Cinemax, Cinemax After Dark films, you know, just with men and women. And that's what a lot of them used to watch. But no, uh, there's a lot of people out there that watched other things as well. But let's focus on what they don't want to watch. Us, living our lives, um, providing entertainment to a, a sector of the population that pays bills, pays taxes, works hard. But they don't feel like you need to flaunt your homosexuality in everybody's faces. Yet, for eons, you've been flaunting heterosexuality into ours because, oh, that's normal, right? Well, anyway, there is one factor, though, I want to discuss today, and that is how the LGBTQ community has fueled this war. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you've all had your run-ins with people talking about, you don't you didn't, you use my correct pronoun, I'm this. Or you have to refer to me as that. And a lot of these people became very, what's the word, belligerent about their uh, their pronouns and everything else. And uh, got all up in people's faces and yelling at them, screaming at them and everything else for no reason. Uh, but, you know, because they didn't know their pronouns. And we're talking to heterosexual people, first of all, that have never heard of having to use different pronouns for people, first of all. Secondly, we're dealing with pronouns that you didn't even know you had five years ago, but yet you're screaming at people they should already know it. And let's face it, folks, people are not going to learn something unless it affects them somehow. That's like with HIV or anything else. Unless it is abundant or somewhere in their life that they need to know about it, they don't care to know anything about it. Most of them, and that's understandable, you know, I mean, we're always supposed to be expanding our minds, but I'm sure they expand them on other things, like word of the day or whatever um, whatever wine goes with fish. But, <laughs> that's a joke. But uh, the truth is, though, we have done an awful job of being um, understanding, patient, and helping people learn. Now, you know... I had a big problem with neo-pronouns, I still do today, because, uh, and I'll explain that why. Neo-pronouns to me is a, is a new way of doing pronouns that are made up by 
uh, non-binary and tr uh, trans people. And it's, a, it's, a, it's still an evolving language because every day there's more that comes out and more that are introduced into the uh, vocabulary. You want people to learn these as well, and I'm sorry, Zim, Zares, and it's ridiculous sounding. I'm just being honest with you. It is ridiculous sounding. And you want heterosexuals to learn this and and, and call you Zim and Zares? No, it's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you that now. It will not happen. You're wasting your time with more labels. People need to understand that the label system has been put into place by people that want to divide us. That's the only reason why we have labels today, is division. Oh, you're not this, you're that. Or the, you're not in this group, you're not in that group. You, you go over to this group. You know, it's like us, we have affiliated almost every letter of the alphabet, LGBTQIA, uh, Two Spirits, and everything else. More labels, you know? And the more labels we endure and, 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 and create for ourselves, the, the further and further we push ourselves from one another. That is my point. Now, you can call yourselves whatever you want to, but don't expect people to have to learn this new language that just popped up out of y'all's butts, you know, how many years ago? Maybe six, seven, or eight, if that. And expect everybody to know it and get on board. You're going to have a lot of resistance, especially when you got attitude about it. You know, I, uh, I taught a class at a diversity forum, and it was talking about pronouns. Because I wanted to make sure people understood about pronouns. I mean, I'm very, you know, I try to use the right pronouns wherever I meet people. Um, again, I still make mistakes just like anybody else does. But I received this letter um, from, a, from a person that was a participant. Uh, I was a helper at the 2022 Diversity Forum. Jeremy Hobbs hosted a talk on pronouns and transgender people. The talk felt othering to me as a trans person like we were animals to be talked to and not people who exist. Worst of all, he said he didn't believe in neo-pronouns. When I revealed that I had neo-pronouns, he was apologetic, which I was. I'm not, I, I'm not, downing, I'm not downing you for having them. I'm doubting the fact that we're constantly putting up more labels and dividing ourselves further. You know, we've tried to be all-encompassing, all-inclusive with our LGBTQIA and everything else. You don't need to add more to it. That's, I mean, I understand you. everybody wants uh, their individuality, and I respect that. I did not apologize for no reason. Just to say that, because oh, I, I felt uncomfortable. No, I knew there'd be people with neo-pronouns. That's why I hosted the message about me not liking neo-pronouns. I wanted them to hear what I felt about them because it's very important. And that was two years ago. What has happened in the last two years? More, more violence, more laws, more, uh, you know, just hatefulness towards LGBT. Why do you think that is? No, it's not now. I'm going to tell you now. It's not all because of neo-pronouns or none of that stuff. But we didn't help it. We helped fuel the fire. Our inability to listen to other people. And only one here. I mean, I realize now today that these long things that I do with y'all are probably just a waste of time. Because reason being is you only listen about 30 seconds of it and then you're going on something else. So i got to make 30-second 
uh, little quotes or something, I guess. But folks, you've got to stop and listen and read. If you don't do those things, you're never going to get anywhere. You're going to be half-cocked everywhere you go. You're going to have uh, not all the information that you're supposed to have. And what happened with this person, you know, I, I, this is my assumption. When I said that, they shut down on me. But she said this indicated to me that he only felt comfortable talking bad about them because he didn't think we would be in the room. I didn't talk bad about anyone. I talked bad about the usage of neo-pronouns. Neo-pronouns, like I said, a waste of time. You're, you're just wasting your time because it's not something that's going to stick. I've been around for 50 years, and I know what sticks and what don't. And that's not going to stick. You can keep on doing what you want to do. I mean, I respect you. I, I support you. But you also need to understand my feelings on it. How I feel about it. And respect that. If you can't respect mine, how can I respect yours? Hmm? Now, I also attended a Pride Festival by Colgate on University Avenue. First of all, Colgate does not have a Pride Festival on University Avenue. Our Pride Festival is only on Broadway in Columbus, Georgia. The first Saturday of every year uh, of June every year. The one you're referring to was CV Pride, Chattahoochee Valley Pride. And you said you were pros proselytized, um, um, excuse my, my English language, uh, to after stating multiple times that you were not a Christian. I guess they came, uh, they got on to you because you weren't Christian. Shame on them. Shame on them. Now we do have Christ things at our events. We, we pray. We, um, we have people that come up from churches of faith and they talk about the ministry and everything else that they do and invite people to come. But we don't get out there like now. We have to deal with, however, our protesters that walk around with those signs that say, you know, all abominations going to hell, evil, evil, evil. And, you know, yelling, getting a, uh, a bullhorn and yelling at us all day long. That's what we have to deal with. And you should never have had to deal with that. I'm sorry. Nobody should sit there and proselytize. I hope that's God. That's how you say it. Proselytize you for not being a Christian. Jesus loves all people. I love all people. You also saw political signs at this event that backed a candidate that was hostile towards queer people. Again, not my, not my rally. Because I know we've never had a political sign at any of ours unless it was a vendor. We did not have anybody there uh, that was good. That was a CV Pride event. Plain simple. So, if you, maybe, just maybe, you might have us confused. Now, you got me right on the pronoun thing. That was me. But I've already told you, it's not in any way trying to make you feel like animals. I talked to you like you were people. You just didn't like the way it came across. And I understand that. I respect that. But I've always been a blunt person. I think it's best to be that. When I apologize to you, I wasn't trying to offend you. That's what I believe I said. I'm not trying to offend you. But I'm letting you know what I feel about neo-pronouns, how they are going to be more divisive and they are going to unite people. You didn't hear that though, did you? As, and now, as for the secondhand accounts, I've talked to ex-drag performers from Colgate who have expressed discomfort around Jeremy Hobbs for using the T-slur and referring to drag as a costume. Let's, let's touch on that. If you don't know what the T-slur is, it is 
tranny. That's uh, a word that's been used for years and years and years. And a lot of people think that's um, it's not very uh, polite. It's not good to have. But let's talk about that real quick, okay? And so we can understand where our generation comes from. It's not, a, it's, you know, it's not a word that somebody that's not in the group, the LGBT group, should be using. Tranny, hey, tranny. They use it as a derogative. You know, I have a problem with the word queer being included in LGBTQ. Because queer was the word that I was called all as a child. My grandparents, by my parents, by other people. It was always a negative. It was always called fucking queer. I always had to have the F word in front of it. I thought that was what it came with for years. Even as the needs for basic respect as much as fair legal treatment of transgender people you know, come to be acknowledged and better understood in the mainstream, a, a furor is growing within this queer community around the idea that progress means abandoning words and cultural affiliations that a vocal subset of trans people deem offensive. Tranny is the highest profile of these words, is both a slur and a term of endearment, a brand that can sting and a badge that can be worn with pride. And when some people cherish a word that others despise, who can, said, who can, be, who can be said to own it, to possess the authority to declare it fair or foul? It's a vexing question, but one that we must consider. Because the answer will go a long way in determining what the LGBTQ liberation movement and the liberation of the key word looks like after gay marriage. For outsiders, the contours of this debate are surely hazy. So here's a rough sketch. Tranny and words like it have long been used within the queer world among many transgender people and especially in the drag subculture as signs of appreciation or friendship much in the same way that African-Americans employ the word, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, the N-word. While tranny can be certainly be used as a slur, outsiders should not use this for any reason, thank you. It is the kind of term that has been claimed by many as a, a celebration of their own queerness, an indication of their intention to futz with our society's deeply ingrained gender binary. Other trans people, though, have always found the term derogatory, rejecting it out of hand. So given the growing prominence of RuPaul's Drag Race, it's perhaps not surprising that the recent controversy was spurred by the show's playful use of words as we previously covered on another episode, like she -mail. Another precipitating factor was the renaming under duress, now she had to do it under duress, of the Tranny Shack, a famous San Francisco queer performance place. Now, under pressure from activists and many fans, Drag Race producers and broadcaster Logo TV apologized for the offending segments back in March, editing out the female or she-male challenge and removing the long-running she got she-male, you've got she-male, bit from the later episodes. But after the finale earlier in May, RuPaul himself has begun pushing back. What he sees is censorship. Quotes, you know I can call myself a eh, faggot and tranny all I want to because I fucking earned the right to do it. I've lived the life. I'm not going to say the other word, but yes. You're absolutely right. You live the life. You are that. And you can take ownership of what you want to be. Now, back to her point, tranny, as you can see, is not, not, not necessarily a negative word. Now, as far as costumes, it's not inherently offensive to a transgender or LGBT drag performer. However, it can be considered if it is used to imply that the performer is wearing a disguise 
or that their gender identity is not genuine. Never have I once done that. And I call, I mean, I've always been a person with a theater. And, you know, when you bring your stuff in, bring your costumes, go ahead and put it in your places. Get your costumes? Okay, good. There are costumes. I talked to our head director, uh, Natasha. She said, it's what they are, the costumes. So, the, you know, the offense that you get, and then this is what basically it all boiled down to, why I had such a problem with it. Because she's told everybody there that they don't need to be a part of CV Pride, or excuse me, Colgate Pride events. At least while I'm still in charge of it. You're picking battles with your own people already. And you want to pick battles with all these other people out there because what you believe headstrong to be true. You've only been here for so long, young lady. Sorry to say. You got a lot of growing up to do. And you, when you get my age, you'll probably look back on what I've said and say, well, you know what? He was right. But you won't do that right now. You're not going to. I mean, I didn't do it when I was your age. And nor is anybody else going to do it when they're that your age. Because you know it all. And I mean, that's just the truth. You, you think you know it all. We, I thought I knew it all. Until I started learning more. Until I got called out for stuff that I did wrong. Or what have you. I mean, I appreciate you writing this letter and everything else in firm detail. But learn to pick your battles. I told her on the thing of several points about, you know, how we don't need to be fighting with one another. Instead, we need to be fighting this fight that's out here. I don't ever see you or anybody else out there on the lines when it comes down to it. I don't see you up at the Capitol talking to senators and lawmakers who are passing these bills. That affects your life. You don't see it all. Where are you? You're behind your little screens. And that's the problem. See, that's the problem between my generation and their generation. Now, let's talk about the differences between my generation and theirs. And maybe we can kind of get a little bit of understanding of where they're coming from. Uh, because or maybe they can get a little bit of understanding where I'm coming from as well. But let's look at it this way. Because old generation versus generation Z. The old generation typically refers to the baby boomers and Generation X, while Gen Z refers to individuals born roughly between the mid-1990s and early 2010s. Here's a comparison of the two generations. Technology, let's start out with technology and digital literacy. Our generation grew up in a time when technology was not advanced. They may have adapted to technology later in life and may not be as digitally savvy as Gen Z. Gen Z, though, grew up in a highly digital world with access to smartphones and social media and the Internet from a young age. They are typically more adept at using technology and social media platforms. Work ethic and values. Let's talk about those. Our generation, we often value hard work, loyalty to a single company, and traditional work structures uh, of the past. They may prioritize stability and job security. Where Gen Z values work-life balance, diversity, and inclusivity. Great for you. Good for you. They are known for seeking purpose and meaning in their work and are more likely to prioritize personal fulfillment over job security. And that's basically the way the world has become today. I mean, I was never one of those people that I think I, I lean more towards Gen Z on that because if I don't like a company, I'm going to stay with them. Why would I bother wasting my time and my energy for something that I don't I don't want to be a part of? I mean, that's just ridiculous. 
you know, and jobs are nothing like that anymore. Those days are gone. Um, communication styles. Our generation tends to prefer face-to-face -face or phone communication and may be more formal in our interactions. Where Gen Z prefers digital communications methods such as texting, messaging apps, and social media. They are more informal in their communication style. Now, that right there has been a problem for me. You know, I can talk to people online or what have you and stuff like that. I said, won't you give me a call? Oh, no, I don't know you yet. But you just offered to, you wanted to come meet me. For, just for a while ago, for sex. But yet you want to, you don't want to talk on the phone. You'd rather meet first and then talk on the phone? I mean, it's a little ass backwards if you ask me. But there's a reason for that. They can hide behind their screens. You know, we are more direct and blunt. We can get up in your face. They don't like that. They don't like controversy. They don't like um, any kind of, uh, they get stressed out too easily on things. Uh, because their stress level, I mean, they've been pampered most of them. I'm not downing Gen Z by no means. But I am saying, they've been pampered a lot. My mom used to beat the hell out of me when I was a kid. I knew when to shut the hell up. You didn't have to count but one, but say the number one, and that was it for me. Today, they go all the way to ten. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I mean, and whatever these child abuse laws that came down, I respect some of them because I was abused as a child. But at the same time, though, I deserve to have my ass whooped a few times as well. And sometimes they might have took it a little bit too far. I'll put it that way, my mom. But at the same time, discipline is a necessity in any child's rearing. You need to make sure the child understands the right from wrong, has values, has uh, poli being polite in public, listening, standing up, speaking up, and not hiding behind a screen. We need more directness from our Gen Z folks. Now, worldview and social issues, let's see, our generation may have more traditional views on social issues and politics, influenced by the time in which we grew up. I Me, mean, I was born in 74, and I have always thought a little bit beyond what we're supposed to think, because that's just who I am. I never, I never became complacent with the way the status quo was. Now, Gen Z, they often hold more progressive views on social issues such as gender equality, climate change, and diversity. They're more likely to advocate for social change and are often politically engaged. That's something I don't see a lot of. I don't see the political engagement. I'm not sure where you're doing it from. Maybe you're writing letters. But it takes more than just writing letters because, first of all, they never go to your senator. They always go to his secretary or his assistant or whatever. And nine times out of ten, you're going to get a form letter back. As it's already created, basically just fill in the blanks of whatever you had to say. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. But let's look at the conclusion of that. While it's important to recognize that individuals within each generation are diverse and may not conform to these generalizations, understanding these broad differences, though, can help us bridge the gap between the old generation and Gen Z, fostering better communication and collaboration between the two groups. Now, we're going to talk about a few things that Gen Z uh, group, I know that I'm picking on them a little bit here, but you know, hey, we need to talk about this. One, you have a short attention span. I was just talking about that a while ago. Due to being raised in a highly digital and fast-paced environment, some members of Gen Z may display shorter attention spans, potentially impacting their ability to focus for extended periods.
You go in and out, in and out. And a lot of times, you know, you don't you don't pick up what's viable in the conversation because you didn't you just lost interest. And hey, maybe the person was boring. Maybe it just was not what you wanted to hear. I understand that too. I've been there. Now, due to being raised in a highly digital and fast-paced environment, you know, you've got to stop and smell the roses type thing. You ever heard that? You got to stop and listen every now and then. Just listen. Don't interrupt, but listen. I see a lot of that going on. I mean, it's just nobody can get anything out because they're interrupting each other back and forth. Now, the reliance on technology. I don't really have a problem with that, but they said that is a qualm with the Gen Z because heavy integration with technology from a young age leads to concerns about over-reliance on digital services and devices, potential addiction to social media, and reduced face-to-face -face social interactions. You need more face-to-face. -face. You need to be able to do that. The reasons why, you know, a lot of people that are homeschooled never got that social aspect with other people. And my, my brothers and sisters, whoever else is in the homeschool, maybe. But not everybody. So they might not pick up on social cues. They might not pick up on, oh, this guy's getting bored listening to what I'm saying. They don't do a lot of those things. And that's what happens. Um, and it's no fault of your own. It's just because you don't know any better. That's why I encourage each and every one of y'all out there to do those face-to-face -face social interactions. Now, instant gratification expectations. That's something Gen Z has a big thing with. Uh, growing up in an era of on-demand services and instant access to information, some members of the Gen Z may have higher expectations for immediate results, which can impact their patience and perseverance in certain situations. That's why they want people to know those pronouns. That's why they want you to know all this stuff right now. You've got a, you've got a phone? Look it up. A lot of people still don't do that. You've got to be patient. You gotta persevere with these folks by being patient, calm, listening to the problems. Now, the mental health challenges, now that's something that does bother me a, and a lot. Because Gen Z have been reported to experience high levels of stress, anxiety, and mental health issues, potentially due to factors such as academic pressures, social media comparison, and economic uncertainty. You're holding the world on your shoulders at a mighty young age. You really are. But you have every right to worry. I wouldn't ever take that away from you because I worry. I worry all the damn time about stuff. It's hard not to worry in this world. So, I mean, that's why I have a problem with that one. But at the same time, though, they let stuff really pick at them more than it should. Do you understand that, I hope? Sometimes you can't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff. That's very, very, very true. And I hope that you'll remember that. Because learn before you shout out at somebody or go off on somebody. I need to hear them through. Let me find out why they feel this way. And then maybe I can understand it. Maybe I can relate. But you've got to listen, folks. I mean, you expect everybody to hear you. Listen to you. Sometimes it's more than a 30-second soundbite, too. Sometimes it's a couple minutes. But listen, it's not going to hurt you. You might learn something. And believe me, you don't know it all. Nobody does. 
It's important to note that these characteristics are not usually universally applicable to all members of the Gen Z, and many individuals within this generation exhibit positive qualities such as innovation, adaptability, and a strong sense of social responsibility. Understanding and supporting the diverse needs and strengths of each generation is crucial for creating inclusive and supportive environments. See, we will listen to our, our friends that are Gen Z. We will work with Gen Z. We will do all these things because that's who we are. It's going to take a lot of patience and time and maybe some hairs, but we'll get there. I believe that with all my heart. Now, respect and acceptance for LGBT individuals it is important to understand that for many members of the LGBTQ community, being addressed by our correct pronoun is a crucial aspect of recognition and respect for their gender identity. So let's delve into that just a little bit further. Because the importance of correct pronouns is a fundamental way to show respect for an individual's gender identity. Misgendering someone can be hurtful and invalidating, and it denies their identity and can contribute to feelings of alienation and exclusion. So make sure that you try to use a person's correct um, pronoun. Um, educational approach is what is needed, folks. Don't get up in their faces and yell. While it's understandable that misgendering can be frustrating, an educational approach can be more effective in promoting understanding and acceptance. Instead of screaming at individuals, engaging in respectful conversations, and providing information about the importance of pronouns, that can really truly foster a greater empathy and awareness. And you have to cultivate an understanding environment. Encouraging open dialogue and providing resources for learning about gender identity can help foster an environment of understanding and acceptance. I strongly encourage everybody out there that uses pronouns or what have you to have something on, on you or saved in your phone that you can just uh, send them talking about pronouns, the importance of, uh, what they are, how we use them, anything like that. It will make it a lot easier because I can tell you right now, nine times out of ten, they're not going to go home and look it up. So give them what they need and start the dialogue that way. It's important for both sides to approach these conversations with empathy and a willingness to learn from each other. And moving towards acceptance. Ultimately, seeking acceptance involves a, a collective effort to cultivate understanding and empathy and respect for diverse gender identities. And by promoting open and respectful communication, Society can progress towards a more inclusive and affirming environment for all individuals, including those in the LGBTQ community. In conclusion with this, it's understandable that misgendering can be hurtful, but responding with patience and education can be a more effective path towards fostering acceptance and understanding for LGBT individuals. So let's try to keep that in our, in our hats for the next time you want to shout at somebody for getting your pronouns wrong. Now, Let's go to the neo-pronouns. I, I, so I was going to talk about those again because here's what we're doing. It's important to establish respect for each other's identity, including their chosen pronouns. However, the introduction of neo-pronouns has sparked a lot of debate and raised concerns. While respecting individuals and their identities, it's essential to express personal opinions constructively and thoughtfully. What I was doing in the class. Concerns about neo-pronouns expressing reservations about these pronouns uh, should be done in a manner that acknowledges the complexity of language and the challenges of embracing new terminologies. That's exactly what I was trying to put forth in that class. You can't piss off the straight folks. 
It's important to consider how the adoption of neo-pronouns may impact uh, communication and the learning curve involved for many individuals. The proliferation of labels within various communities, including political and LGBTQ spheres, has led to concerns about division and inclusivity. It's crucial to address how these labels may impact unity and understanding with these communities. 